So we're so so I want everyone to see that Jim is rubbing in my face that he has his Utopia Planitia books <laughs> there, Jim. So I first of all I want to say that's super cruel because I haven't got mine yet. It it wasn't intentional, but uh, I, I I'm sorry that uh, it's uh, it's an insult. <laughs> <laughs> it really hurts. And then we were talking about organizing our background spaces mm-hmm. to to be more organized. But I think what we're basically saying is we all want rooms like Scott Pearson. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> To have a whole wall of Star Trek stuff is a, is a dream. And like I, I kind of got my Star Trek stuff scattered all over the place right now. And so I'm in the very slow process of taking this basement uh, office and, and just moving stuff around. Because like right now, this is all my history and, uh, and nonfiction back here, except for the little bits of Star Trek here and there. And I need to move all that out of here because like I, I have an old enough computer that I can't put a virtual backdrop on here. Uh, because it's an old, and I don't plan on replacing this computer anytime soon because it's still cranking along. Uh, but so what I'm going to do is I'm going to redesign the the back. I'm going to clear off these shelves and put all Star Trek stuff on there, uh, especially because I just I just bought and or I just got uh, as a birthday present. I got the Blue Bricks um, Defiant uh, Lego set, the, the the quasi Lego set, and that thing is like 20 inches long, right? And I think it'll fit nicely on one of these shelves back here. Uh, but I just in order to make the space for that, I need to clear out these books. And, and find new spaces for them. So this is going to be a work in progress over the next several months worth of episodes, I think. Everything's a work in process. I'm going to be working on that. I, I, I'm going to talk about something that broke my heart. And maybe you can actually uh, illuminate what happened with this situation. So I had signed up to build the Enterprise D from Eagle Moss, the collection. Mm-hmm. And I was in probably about the 40 level of it, They send you steps of build. And I was probably in levels 40 through 50. And then and then now Eagle Moss doesn't do that anymore. Mm. And they went out. So so that was a big loss. And I, I planned to have the Enterprise suspended up here in my office. And it lit up and all that good stuff. And that kind of was heartbreaking. Do you know what happened with that? Well, Eagle Moss uh, 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 filed the equivalent of bankruptcy in, in, in the UK, if I understand it correctly. And I, I think they're in the process of figuring out how to how to get back i i don't know all the, i don't know all the details but uh i i think unless you can find the kits that you're missing like on the secondary market or something i i think you might be out of luck I, i'm not sure if eagle moss is going to be able to to get to a place where they can continue where they had left off or if they were able to sell all that stuff off to another company to pick it up and go i just don't know i i don't have connections in that in that direction yeah, I noticed it started going down south during the during the pandemic because once the pandemic hit, I was like, I now have time to build this. I'm going to just put it on my dining room table and build it, yeah. which was excellent time kill for two years. Mm-hmm. But I then started noticing when they started having the shipping issues that the pieces started changing and not fitting. So I think there probably was a manufacturing issue. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think there must have been some sort of because they come from China, the pieces, and I think yeah. even the color of some of the pieces did not match the the the. Oh wow! Other people. so so I started detecting it then. I was writing back and forth, but I think the pandemic just got to them, which is unfortunate somehow. And that's unfortunate because you know, anecdotally, secondarily, or whatever, <laughs> I was uh, I subscribed to their graphic novel collection. They were they were reprinting a whole bunch of the Star Trek comics in really beautiful hardcovers. And uh, there was 140 volumes in that set. And I started subscribing kind of late into the run, late enough that um, some of the some of the volumes they didn't reprint. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now I've got gaps in my collection. And then the pandemic hit and that slowed down um, uh, shipping. And then like the last 10 volumes that were supposed to come out, I think they just canceled because mm-hmm. they were heading toward that that bankruptcy thing. And uh, and there's certain volumes that I don't think I'm ever going to be able to find unless I'm really diligent about um, scanning, you know, a secondary market to try to find the holes. And I'm kind of in that weird place now of like, do I keep the ones I have? Do I just sell the whole collection because I don't have the whole collection? Like I'm I'm OCD enough that I want the whole collection. Like if I'm if I'm buying a collection of a thing, 
I want all the volumes, damn it. <laughs> like it's just it's I like think having we, gaps isn't enough. It's like well, we always find these similarities. When I found out I couldn't my, my wife is watching because I have half the enterprise built. Yeah. And then I went into a fit. Okay, I wasn't angry. I don't get mad like that, but I was like, I don't want this laying around if I can't finish it. I threw the whole thing away. She's like, what did you do? I thought and I told her, I said, I don't even want to talk about it. I didn't even tell her about the whole mm-hmm. bankruptcy mm-hmm. thing. But I'm the same way. I don't like anything unfinished in my house. It's like yeah, yeah. Done, you know. Yeah, and it's super difficult too because, like, I don't know if you've seen the graphic novel collection, but they they did this really clever thing where if you put all the books out on your shelf with the spine out, like there's a there's a picture on the spine, right? That that carries over from volume to volume to volume to volume to volume. So if you're looking at the like fifty, you know, it, uh, volumes one through fifty, there's a there's a picture, there's a panoramic picture of all kinds of different starships and stuff on there. So it's like as each volume adds a little section of the picture. But what happens is if you're missing, if you've got gaps in the collection, like I do, that picture looks like junk because it's not complete. We got to like, get that. Oh, just every time I look at it, it just annoys me. And I, oh, I, my goodness. I just, I'm, 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 I tell you, like every time I look at it, I'm like, I should just sell that whole collection because uh, a, I may not have time to read literally everything on there. Cause it's like over a hundred comic books, graphic novels now, but just the, the fact that I don't, have the whole collection is just going to eat at me. It just eat. It just. It's like that little, that little I, thing that just nags at you. I gave away my Marvel Universe original collection because I had gaps. If you remember the covers when you laid them out, all the superheroes were going in one direction, all the mm-hmm. villains and heroes, and right. I could never find all of them. And I trade them, traded them out because of that. Wow, we're both kind of OCD like that. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, you know, but we're blessed. In fact, let's start. You guys, of course, all walked into a continuing conversation with me and Jim. We're constantly talking. I know we've said it before, but we never stop talking. 24 hours a day, we just actually stay on Zoom and talk Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who are just coming in, this is continuing conversations, which is everything about Star Trek Adventures RPG. Um, as you know, we interview creators, fans, anybody with any any association with the game who's supporting the what I think is the best RPG of all time. Um, I'm a I'm a free uh, Michael Dismuke, which is a, um, a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures and run continuing uh, missions, which is the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And who have I been talking with, Jim? I am Jim Johnson, the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Modiphius Entertainment. Uh, super excited to be on the show here tonight, as always. Uh, before we jump into it, though, non sequitur. Because you, because you mentioned it, and I was thinking about it the other day. I don't know why I was thinking about it over the weekend, but uh, uh, because we talk about Star Trek twenty four seven all day, every day, maybe we should just maybe we should just um, just do it and do like a twenty four hour live stream one day and just stay up all day, all night, and just like do it one time. Have the fans come and go as they want. We'll just talk Star Trek and Star Trek Adventures all freaking day. Um, yeah. maybe we have guests rotate in. I don't know. Well, but, that, but if we do that, we also have to have sessions where we actually play the game. So we have to like play for an hour okay. and then people can drop in and talk about yeah. it. I, mean, I, I think we have to actually show some mechanics too. If we do that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, who's, who's going who's gonna to dial in for a day to watch us? Honestly, Star Trek, right? No, honestly, I think, I think we should do it for a charity too. I think I think we should do Good it idea. as a charitable cause, something like, you know, in the I'm from the Bay Area, so I always think about homelessness. So there's that's always a everyone needs a home. So I, I don't know, maybe you know, since we t- think talk about the post scarcity future of Star mm-hmm. Trek, maybe we donate to a cause like that. Yeah, absolutely. I would that's totally do that for a live stream. Okay. Well, me. well people yeah, and the bonus, yeah. The bonus is mm-hmm. if we uh if we do it. And we break it up into 24 uh, one-hour episodes. We're, we're done for half the year. <laughs> <laughs> that is a huge bonus. <laughs> Just take the, take the summer off. We're done. See ya. <laughs> you Send know what? All to Jeff. Yeah. Anyone who has ideas about how we <laughs> live stream a charitable thing, hit us up. We're up for it. And you know what? Honestly, the, the people who would join... I won't drop names, but I think we'd have an all-star cast of Star Trek Adventures 
players, whether they're streamers, writers, maybe even comic book people. We'll yeah. see. I, I think we could do it for charity. Um, I, I want to say, going on the conversation we started before our intro, too, I think that um, really Modiphius and Star Trek Adventures was blessed because the same um, impact that the pandemic had on, like we were talking about Eagle Moss or the comic book, you know, graphic novels that you were talking about, we didn't really get hit as hard with Star Trek Adventures. It seems like, in fact, it, uh, from what I heard from other people, it was such a lifesaver during the pandemic mm-hmm. for so many people, right? So that was kind of a blessing. Yeah, that's everything I heard. I, I know uh, I know the pandemic was hard for a lot of people. It was certainly hard for me. Um, and uh, the fact that I had Star Trek Adventures to work on and to interact with all the fans, and we kept it going. Um, I mean, the fans, you know, we, we kept the conversation going. Um, was huge. And like, I mean, anecdotally, we talked to so many people and I've seen so many uh, posts online about it. It's just like if I were uh, if I were in college and doing like a like a psychology paper or something on the 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 mental health benefits of RPGs during a pandemic. I think there's a lot of mileage to be. I'm sure people have written it already, but there's a lot of mileage there. And And Star Trek uniquely, because it's such a positive, hopeful future. And for like the last, you know, six, seven years there, there, it's been a struggle to find some hope, you know, in, just in the political landscape and the, in the, the, and the health landscape that we've been in mm-hmm. that, that to have Star Trek to, to look to as a potential possible better future is a, is a big piece of it. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot, lot to be said for Star Trek and Star Trek adventures, but Star Trek in general. Yeah, I know on social media, whether it's discord or, or Facebook, that's where I'm the most, um, even the people joining those forums show that there's still a lot of interest in the game. I know Reddit has over 5,000 subscribers to the sub uh, to the Star Trek adventures um, Reddit there. And then I know our site continuing missions um, as we go counting this year, I know we're, we're in early December now, so we don't have all the final numbers in, but we're still, at, you know, like 60, we're probably going to be around 70,000 unique visitors um, for for what some people might consider a niche, small RPG in the world of RPGs. Um, but it's growing and that's why we're here. And that's why today we have a special episode for fans because um, Jim had a great idea about doing Q&A um, and making sure that, great idea. Yeah. <laughs> it is a great idea. I, I know we get a lot of the same questions, but that's okay. You know, people people are dying to know the answers. So what we did is we put it, feelers out there into social media and um, got a bunch of questions. Um, we're probably going to break it into two episodes, I think, because we have, uh, you know, we'll probably keep it to like 30 minutes an episode and we've been already going for about 10 minutes. Um, but, but we have some really good questions here and I think it's going to have a talking quite a bit. So Jim, uh, I think you have the list of questions, right? That I mm-hmm. compiled into one easy form for us. So uh, do you want to just start at the top and talk to us about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, pref- I'll, I'll preface it by saying two things. First of all, do you really think we need, we need two episodes? Um, I didn't, I wasn't sure, but I guess we'll just have to get into it and see. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just betting on our, I'm betting on our previous ability to talk. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I mean, we, we're generally able to stay on topic, but we just go on about it. Yeah, so that's fine. Well, you know, uh, we've been, I'm going to say though, let's, you know, let's, let's riff for a second. We've been so good for so many months. We've had special guests and very thematic, you know, we've gone through books by chapter and, and sometimes we just need to be able to just like let and talk about anything Star Trek adventure. So I think we've actually been so disciplined, Jim. I think we get a little leeway. I I will will pat myself on the back and then you give yourself a pat on the back too. Um, And then the the second thing I'll say, just as we start going into these questions, um, I am going to apologize to the fans because I think when, when this first got posted on the Facebook group, a couple days or a week ago, whenever it was, I was, uh, I was a little short and a little shorty because I was like, you know, I'm not going to answer these questions on the Facebook group because I want to save it for the show. Um, but I did mention the fact that a lot of these questions I've answered before at length, either on this show or in other media, but I had to remind myself, and this is why I'm apologizing to the fans. Uh, I do so many interviews and so many conversations about this game that I may have answered these questions, you know, 10 times this year, but you may not have watched all the shows. And I certainly don't expect anybody to watch every single show that I do because it's a lot. And you would never have time to, to game or do anything because it's a lot of hours. <laughs> well, another big plus, another so, big plus you gotta yeah. realize, Jim, and I and, and we have against that's why I mentioned the statistics. 
there's a lot of people who this game is new to. For us, we've been in it in 2018, so we've seen these questions, but we have new players who aren't going to go dig up four years ago interviews. And and so, uh, you know, I, I think about if you've ever gone to a Dolly Parton concert or know anything about Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. you go to her show for the last 20 years, it's all the same stuff. It, same jokes, they're still funny. Same, the <laughs> same way she plays her music. This, you yeah. know, she has the same cadence, but she's bringing in new audiences at all time. And, and whether you're a long term fan or a new fan, she's one of the best shows you'll ever see in the world. Mm-hmm. So, likewise, Jim, you're my Dolly Parton. So, you're going to hear some of the same questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, I won't talk about the similarities, but you will go ahead and <laughs> answer these questions again. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Uh, and then I will just say, you know, of course, uh, those of you who are new to the game and haven't had an opportunity to go look at some of that uh, six years, five years worth of uh, interviews, you know, if you've got if you got a lazy night and you got nothing else to do, sure, go go hit YouTube, go find some. Uh, they're they're all solid gold. And of course, it'd be fun to go back and watch some of the old ones just to see what I was talking about and see if it actually all came to life later in later products or something. But uh, who has time to look at that kind of old stuff? I go, <laughs> anyway, I, I go going forward now. I, I go back. I get upset at the way I show up with my hair, like on certain episodes. Like, what was I thinking? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Especially during the pandemic. Oh, don't even get me started on how my hair. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Anyway. All that being said, let's uh, let's just should we just jump in right into the top of the uh, the list here? Let's do it because I see the first person is actually one of my favorite Star Trek Adventures people of all time. He plays the captain of the USS Pioneer, which you are currently hearing wearing the hat of, which is totally cool, NCC 74700. So let's let's go ahead and celebrate that first question. All right. So uh, first question we've got on the list here is submitted by Troy Mepian. Uh, gosh, I don't even know about the pronunciation. Mepians. Mepians. Troy asks... Are there any official moves regarding some of the larger virtual tabletops like Foundry? Uh, great question. We've gotten this question a bunch, especially during the pandemic. Um, I will be uh, the first to say that uh, as much as I love Modifius, I think we were a little bit behind the curve in supporting some of the virtual tabletops. I think that's just part of the, just where we were. I don't think anybody expected the pandemic to hit. So uh, I think we, we were all a little bit surprised about it. Um, we have we have made strides to correct that, and we are providing virtual tabletop support to certain uh, virtual tabletops now, and we have more in the works. Um, it is not me responsible for a lot of that. We have a team of people at Modifius who are managing the virtual tabletop thing with uh, Dune and uh, Fallout and Star Trek and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so I couldn't tell you exactly what we have planned. Um, I know we have a variety of virtual tabletops that we are supporting and or are going to support. Um, and then I'll just put in the, the usual disclaimer that, uh, um, good virtual tabletop support is not fast and is not cheap. Uh, and that is a factor for all of our, all of our lines, not just Star Trek, but all the lines. And there's just a balancing act that has to be done as far as like what Modifius wants to focus on. And I think, uh, that's about all I can say about that. I have a question about the virtual tabletops. And again, it's because I play on Discord. I tinkered a little with Roll20, but not that much. Um, So if people currently, you know, join Roll20 or Foundry, you know, and they want to go ahead and play Star Trek Adventures, they get everything in PDF format basically to slap down like backgrounds and maps and books or Uh, what do they they get? I mean, it, it depends on the virtual tabletop. Some are more graphically intensive than others. Uh, where Roll20 is like, it's pretty much, you know, you you do your own thing. You put your own stuff in there. Um, some of the virtual tabletops, you're basically buying the PDF of the core book or, or whatever supplement. And and there's a there's a, a, a built-in interface that provides the rule set that has a dice roller and, and list of the talents and stuff. So it's like, it's kind of like combining the uh, the character builder app that BC maintains and then, and then folding it into a virtual tabletop environment. Um, again, some are more intensive than others like i know foundry and i think um oh what's the other one uh, fantasy grounds you can get really into the weeds as far as like pulling in maps and pulling in graphics and and doing the like the whole l cars uh overlay and and all that stuff um i'm so, gonna ask an idea question yeah. then so for years you know you go to comic book or not you go to conventions gaming conventions and there's the actual tabletops and you have a GMs waiting there at the table and people walk up and play with the virtual conventions. Are there opportunities where 
virtual tabletop play can become the mode that's used by companies like Modifius to introduce people to the game. And therefore, they're not only just getting introduced to the game, but they're also getting introduced to the virtual tabletop environment and getting comfortable there. Because I think there's that comfort hmm. that people have to take. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know that I've heard much about it uh, in terms of like people trying to do virtual conventions with virtual tabletops built into the convention experience. I think it's a great idea. And I think the challenge right now is um, it's still an evolving marketplace for virtual tabletops. Cause like I can think of like, there's at least six or seven platforms that are stable right now. And, and they they all provide kind of a slightly different experience. And I think it's just going to take some time for the, for that little sub sub industry to kind of shake out, I, I know a couple of platforms have come and gone because uh, it was either uh, you know people who were doing it for the love, and then just it got overwhelming and they they didn't do it anymore. Um, so I think uh, we're in a challenging place right now, where there there are so many different virtual tabletops, and you got fans of different ones, and they're like, well, I want support for this, and I want support for this, and I want support for this. It's like, well, we can't. It, 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 I mean, not that we can't. It's just really hard to support all of them equally because they all have very different technical needs right and and like you know some are very highly graphically intensive and need more stuff and some are like you know not quite as intensive and you can just you know basically provide the pdf and you're good to go mm -hmm. uh, so it's it, that's just one of the challenges that, that we're facing is like how do we adequately support all of them and uh, it's just you know conversations that are ongoing yeah, I'm going to commend, you know, I, I, early on, if you remember early on, before we even had continuing conversations, we were doing STA Engage and we had Al Spader on. It was our first introduction with him and he gave us a tour of, in Steam, a virtual tabletop. Um, and what I thought was really cool, just incidentally, he ended up becoming a writer for a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is if people are listening to this right now and you have mastered the virtual tabletop environment, show Jim, reach out to Jim through social media and just show him what's going on. Because again, the point is if more people play and if they're restricted and they can't travel or not comfortable traveling to in-person conventions, but then there's a way to somehow get people introduced introduced to the game through virtual tabletop um that that's something i think jim would be interested in looking at so the, i know al showcased it once but i know you keep your eyes open with foundry too um mm -hmm. so that just introducing inviting people to reach out through social media to jim and show off what you got right yeah absolutely and, and plus i mean I, I do it on my own anyway I'll, I'll poke around twitch or i'll poke around uh, youtube just to see what people are doing um, with their games, and, you know, I don't have a lot of time to do it, but when I'm working in the middle of the night and I need a break, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll fire up YouTube or Twitch just to, you know, sneak a peek at things. And, uh, there's been a handful of games on Twitch where I've crashed the, uh, the chat window and I've just, you know, I haven't released anything. I'm just there. I'm just an observer watching cause I don't want to mm -hmm. you know, draw attention to myself or anything. And, um, not, not that anybody knows <laughs> who I am. Right. But, um, I just listen in for half an hour or so and then, uh, and then cut loose. But, uh, yeah, if, if you if you're doing something cool with uh, Fantasy Grounds or or Foundry or one of the other tabletops with Star Trek, and you think it's cool, you know, sure, send me a send me an email. Let me see it, um, just because I I just love seeing what people are doing with the with the tabletops and with the game. And uh, mm -hmm. there's always ways to uh, create um, new ideas. Yeah, the game is evolving naturally and at an exponential rate too. We had interviews with John Nguyen for Di uh, the Discord bot module, the Discord bot. BC Holmes was our last um, one. So, so that only helps keep the game alive and get it out there. The easier people can access it. So, I'm all for that. Everyone knows I'm always like, <laughs> I give it away free just to keep people playing so that we get more yeah. product. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so. and, and I think that's that's yeah. one of the challenges that me. I mean, this is just me personally. You know, taking off the PM hat. Um, one of the challenges I have about some of the virtual tabletops is that they are so graphically intensive and there's so much stuff that you have to prepare and put together that, that it, it, it I mean, it looks cool, but it's almost a barrier to entry, right? Where yeah. like, if you want to just get into the game and get playing, it's like, oh gosh, there's so much that you got to learn a new interface. Cause like every virtual tabletop has its own interface. And so like, you know, maybe one week you're playing in a group that's on Foundry and then another week you're playing in a group that's Roll20 and everything's in different places. And it's like, oh, my God, it's like uh, when we were in the pandemic and like everybody was on a different uh, um, 
like uh, video chat, like you had Zoom and Google mm -hmm. and, uh, and Skype and Microsoft Teams. And there's just so many different ones. It's like, where's the button? The, the buttons are all in different places. All the interfaces are different. And it's just like, it was just hard to manage and uh, everybody got fatigued. Um, yeah. Not not just trying to you know just not just having to do vir virtual conferences all the time, but just like trying to figure out how how to work the super interface. <laughs> yeah, simplicity simplicity is best. I always tell people yeah. start simple, build on top of that. So right. yeah. we'll go that. Good question, Troy. Um, I, I am so excited to see the evolution of virtual tabletops since I'm I've. I haven't played around the table every so often. I'll play if there's friends or family over, we'll play yeah. a one shot, but primarily my longstanding Epic games have been for 20 years online. So I'm really excited to see virtual tabletop evolve. Mm -hmm. Cool. Next question, Jim. Uh, boy, uh, David, uh, Lambias, Lambias. Okay. Yeah. Email us and tell us how we got it wrong. I apologize, David. Um, uh, he asks, uh, so what is after Utopia Planitia? Can you tell us anything about 2023 releases? Uh, there is, there is stuff to come after Utopia Planitia. I've got the next, um, 16 months of releases already planned out. And, uh, it's going to be just like, just like 2022, it's going to be a mix of digital and print products. Uh, oh, plus, uh, you know, plus the uh, STLs. We'll be continuing to release the the, the miniature STLs that we that we did. We we've got two sets out already. We got the other six. Um, we're just working through the the files and the pictures and all that stuff that has to be done to get those things up and available for sale for the new people. Um, STL. Oh, uh, sorry, the STLs. I don't even know what it stands for. It's the uh, it's the miniature file. So, like, if you remember the eight miniature sets that we did that were physical, you know, resin models, uh, we were able to take those. Because those are all computer generated and then turned into a you know a physical model, we, we we were able to add that to our contract that we could sell those STLs, the, the digital files, so that anybody who has a three D printer at home uh, can can buy the STL and then print those miniatures at home uh, for your personal use only. And uh, if you need a million Klingons, then you know buy the Klingon STLs and then go you know go print yourself a million Klingons and then have fun painting them. <laughs> can you can so, you can you detail? You talked about you have print and you have digital releases. Do you know? Can you say the number of print releases we can expect in twenty twenty three? I could, but I will not. Okay, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge a little bit because there's a couple of uh, things in in the works that I, that I'm not sure exactly how it's all going to work out so i will i will just uh, i'll punt on that and say we have a mix of print and digital products coming out in 2023 into 2024 and um i tried uh, everyone you heard me i tried i, I tried to get one in I've, I've said this for a couple of years now especially during the pandemic but i'll say it again look folks save your latinum but there's going to be a lot of product but i mean we came out with i think 29 or 30 products just in 2022 and I expect we're going to do that or more in 2023. So the, the machine is is on all cylinders right now. I'm, I'm keeping everybody busy, not just uh, Michael and the other writers, myself, busiest of all. But the graphics team at Modiphius is keeping busy. So there's just the whole the whole Star Trek Adventures machine is is uh, at full blast right now. And uh, there's just going to be a steady stream of new stuff next year. So uh, I've never asked this question to you. I'm going to ask now because I would love to be a fly in the wall during one of your modifious star trek adventures ip meetings uh, what's the energy like with seeing you know since 2018 with the game coming out what's that energy like <laughs> michael the 90 90 of those meetings is is me staring at the wall yeah. and, and uh and, and working so that the, this energy that we've got right here this is probably about the about the equivalent pretty much just okay. I, I can riff off myself about star trek and uh and just i'm glad to have you as a sounding board and to, to pick up on it too so uh um you know of course modifius is enthusiastic they wouldn't they wouldn't keep the license for six years if they weren't enthusiastic about star trek um you know we have we have positive conversations anytime star trek comes up it's uh it, it's steady it's moving uh they they trust me to get it get it right and uh i trust you all you you writers and artists and layout people to get it right so uh the fans are appreciative and uh and uh you know importantly i hate to say it because <laughs> i don't want to bring it down but uh the the fans are still buying the game and like if the if the fans stopped buying the game we probably wouldn't do it anymore because unfortunately we're in this for the money right yeah. this, is, this is a business and we're, we're not in the uh the enlightened 24th century at the moment i wish we were sometimes mm -hmm. 
Um, but uh, as long as the line remains profitable, uh, I think, and, and as long as Paramount remains happy with us, which they are, um, we'll continue. So, um, well, I got to say too, I think what's today, I, uh, I, I was already talking about it, but I'll hold it up one more time. The Starfleet technical manual, which is, you know, as old as me. So 1975. Um, what I, what I didn't realize, cause I had the TNG technical manual and then even being able to work and see the work on the books behind you, the Utopia Planitia, um, people are starting to realize again, the, the power of the details of the schematics and opening it up. Star Trek is a different genre of, of IP in that there is a tactile level to seeing what we want to be so real, these ships that are just on the verge of believability. Um, PDF, you know, I have PDFs of everything, but again, having the books has changed. Like I want the whole collection. And it's been interesting watching on social media, the Pokemon effect, got to catch them all where people are like, I don't want to get that one or I'm not going to get that. And then all of a sudden they're like, I get it. Because once you touch it, then I think there's that's something been really interesting. Modifius maybe has figured out like, okay, we understand we're in the world of PDF, but if people are going to buy a book, you really have to make it an art piece. At this piece for people that, you know, uh, go for the investment because I feel there are art pieces, you know. Yeah, we've we've had conversations about that. I, I don't think these are unique to Modifius by any stretch of the imagination. But as um, as print costs continue to increase, and as as uh, distribution costs continue to increase, it's it's getting more challenging to to effectively make print products, um, um, you know, meaningfully meaningfully profitable. And so we've we've been experimenting with the collector's editions just to see what what kind of reaction the fans get to them. Um, and I think the industry as a whole might be shifting at, at some point in the near future to more digital releases and to where the print products are going to become more premium, uh, like collector's editions, as opposed to like a standard edition and then uh, collector's editions. I think, you know, you have to you have to leave Wizards of the Coast out of the out of the conversation completely because D&D is really a, a whole industry unto itself. They can afford to do whatever the hell they want with their books. Uh, the, the rest of us are, uh, are much more challenged, I think, uh, because of our, our print runs are so different compared yeah. to them. Um, but so, that, yeah, it, it's just a work in progress. But I am really gratified to see the response to these two. Um, I, I, in fact, I was talking to somebody on Twitter the other day. They said that their uh, Utopia Planitia book arrived and they were super excited. And I was like, oh, well, you know, great. I'm glad you were able to get it before the holidays. Which version did you get? And they said, well, I couldn't decide. So I got all three. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, well, that's a, that's one way to make a decision. It's just, you know, just get them all. It, it harkens to that uh, Pokemon comment you made. Yeah. Well, we go back. Choose. Yeah. If I go back in time, there were yeah. times where I passed up opportunities to buy certain Star Trek books back in the Barnes and Nobles days. And I regret it now. And mm -hmm. and. Um, okay, you know, maybe it was a stretch back then, but I always equate stuff in Starbucks term. Like, yeah. man, if I didn't have those four Starbucks, I could have got that Voyager book back then when I wanted right. it. You know, and 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 so now I think about that too. Some people have said, you know, oh, well, I just had a friend over um over the last Friendsgiving week, and um they were like, Oh, that's a $40 book. I'm like, dude, you drink Pete's coffee every day. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you love Star Trek, just do it. So, anyways, that's I'm off my soapbox. No, no, but it's, it's, it's a soapbox I spend a lot of time on, especially with the RPG industry, right? I mean, you you think of, also to be honest, the uh, the computer game industry too, right? You you think about the value of a of a of a book or or a game, and, and like how much time you invest in it. Like a, like the Star Trek Adventures are the core book, right? That was like fifty bucks. Um, how many hundreds of hours can you get out awesome. of that by yourself? And then you add five people in your game group or four people, whatever, and then you just expand that into the thousands of hours. And it's like that, that, that game, that book, I've had that book on my shelf for six years now. And I've gotten, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a writer and the yeah. project manager, I've gotten thousands of hours of joy out of it for 40 bucks. Like, like those, those, you know, 10 cups of coffee that I could have bought that they would have been there and gone. Right. right. And completely meaningless. But now I've got this thing that I've had for six years and it just, it just goes on. And like the same thing with video games. Like I've got video games that I've sunk, 200 plus hours into uh you know skyrim being the, the key example skyrim and uh you know red dead uh, redemption and mm -hmm. it's just because it's such a great environment it's such a great game you get into it and you just live in that experience and um yeah and as an avid comic collector for me, myself i've been yeah. you know my, my dad my dad collected comics and then 
he went off to the Ar- uh, Air Force and got rid of him. And that's sad because he had some amazing comics. Um, and so growing up when I collected comics, he was like, preserve them. Don't get rid of them. You'll regret if you do. And so now I'm at the point like with the Star Trek Adventure stuff, because I'm all paranoid of how Marvel TSR went out of business. I get doubles and triples because I'm like, if I wear this out, I got to get another. I, I need to have it in good condition. Um, so it's funny. I have three. I'm looking at my board cube and my three game master screens over here, two of which I don't let anyone touch, you know, <laughs> because because. I'm just like, at some point, I'm going to want this as, uh, uh, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to need a new one once I wear it out. And maybe I won't be able to find it. I don't know. Well, yeah, good point. I freak out over that. Anyways, okay. That that was that. It falls into, David has an additional, uh, he, has a, he has an additional statement, which I actually really want to talk about. This one excited me. This is the most exciting one. You want to read it, Jim? <laughs> really I, interesting. Well, I yeah. Hope I don't, uh... I hope I don't crush your excitement here. <laughs> I know, but let's talk about uh, it. So, so David, his uh, his next comment is, uh, I would love to see a book of gear, equipment, et cetera, from not just the Federation, but across the board. Not really a question so much as a wish. Uh, so uh, go ahead, Michael. What do you have to okay. Say? The reason why, because I have a dream. I'm going to put it out there in the universe. I know someone else will probably do it like usually happens with my life. But I am dying to see a Fenris Rangers comic book. I am Dying to see a novel about the Fenris Rangers. If anyone doesn't know, this was first came up in Picard season one. That's where Seven of Nine was spending her time. And I had the privilege of writing in the Game Master's Guide and the Player's Guide about non-aligned games. So meaning if you don't want to play Starfleet, if you don't want to play Klingon, Romulan, Ferengi, and you just want to play what I'm, for lack of a better word, Maquis level or even hand solo level Star Trek, that it would be so cool to see equipment that's just kind of like what's out there in the galaxy if you're not aligned with the Federation or Klingons? What scrap equipment is common that you can get? In fact, I saw today on a social media post, Jim, someone was asking, if you're not Federation, do you have a tricorder? What does that look like? And I was just like, oh, what a brilliant book that would be. It's just standard. You're in space. And this is common gear equipment ships you may need. Trade routes. Uh, I just I just think it's a phenomenal idea, Jim. I don't know what hmm. your take is on it. But I would call it, if it was my module, I'm not. I'm not project manager. And I don't have the budget. I don't have the money to decide. But it would be Star Trek Avengers. Fenris Ranger and Star Trek Adventures, Fenris Rangers. And I would build a whole book around that. Plus with all the lore of the collapse of the Romulan empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the challenge with that is that we know so little about the Fenris Rangers right now, right? There's just not a lot of canonical lore to go with. And uh, Star Trek Adventures from the very beginning, we've been really careful not to, not to make up a whole lot of stuff, whole cloth because we want to adhere pretty close to Canon and, and and give players and game masters enough tools that they can then launch off onto their own things and make up their own stuff, right? Um, I know that other um, uh, uh, RPG companies have gone into great detail and uh, making up stuff whole cloth, which is fine, but they you know, ultimately ended up not having the license anymore, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, I think it's it's more of a benefit, in just my opinion, to 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 adhere fairly close to canon, sprinkle in some of the secondary canon throw a lot of tools at the players and game masters and let them make up their own ber- version of the Fenris Rangers and not have us dictate, here's what we think it is. And then Paramount say, well, you're, you're, you know, we might do something with the Fenris Rangers at some point in the future. And now that would completely invalidate your book. So what do you want to do about that? It's like, well, yeah, maybe we should just kind of like present what we know based on what we've seen in Picard or whatever. And, and maybe the comic books and the novels, if, if any of that's been sprinkled in and then just uh, throw a bunch of ideas and, and possibilities and bullet points and sidebars and stuff and let players and game masters go their own direction. And then we kind of hedge a little bit and say, well, you know, this this might be contradicted, contradicted by canon, but we haven't made up so much stuff that, you know, half the book you're going to have to throw out because it got invalidated by uh, canon at some point in the future. So I can I, see I that. I see your, no, actually, I actually like what you're saying better. I, I, I don't think you're right. Don't pin down the finish Finnish Rangers. Don't pin down the Nausicans or the, or the Nibirite, Alliance, I think that's mm-hmm. what they're called. And and really, you know, could you create a module for someone to pick up and say, okay, you've decided to pick up a group that's not aligned with any of the major polities. Mm-hmm. How do you survive in the Milky Way galaxy? Like that, and then you could apply it. You could say, you know, little sidebars, apply it to these different 
groups, Fenris Rangers, Maquis, um, mm-hmm. Obsidian Order, even, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But we don't we, we have a lot of gear and equipment spread out all over the different books. Um, but it's it is very polity specific. And I I Th- this one just fascinated me. And I know a lot on continuing missions, our, our blog has a lot of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost feel like, could we have something where they know how to build not just the ship, but what you need inside the ship to survive too? Mm-hmm. Like what do supplies look like? And th- that's for some more technical people. I know we're more narrative storytellers. So yeah. that's not as much interest to us. But um, I just thought that was a fascinating idea from David. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great idea for a product. I think the challenge, and I, you know, I think a lot of people probably know this, but maybe not have thought about it. Like the RPG industry isn't what it was back in the '80s and '90s, right? We can't do a a 96 page soft cover <laughs> book anymore, black and white illustrations, hand drawn kind of stuff. Uh, just the industry expects something different now. You expect the full color hardcovers. Because uh, we still can't get fans to buy into PDF only <laughs> kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's just really hard to get away from the 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 beautiful books, right? I mean, physically, I got two right on my shelf behind me, um, and uh, because we do uh, a limited number of print releases every year, just because of budget realities and timing and and distribution and all all that stuff that that I don't want to go into because uh, it's just so boring <laughs> but necessary. Um, to, to think about like, you know, for instance, if, if we were to have four print releases a year, right, those need to be print releases that are going to be really broadly appealing. And, and, and me personally, I really want to have a narrative in all those books, right? Like if you look at all of our books, there's some sort of narrative, there's some sort of through line going on with each of those books and to have a catalog of stuff, it's just kind of hard to like, okay, what kind of a narrative do you put on this? Because it could just be like a huge menagerie of things. And um, the challenge is that like, you know, your Klingon players are going to be looking for the Klingon stuff and they're not going to care about the Romulan stuff or the Ferengi stuff or whatever. And you're going to have that, that kind of challenge of like, what's in this book for me. And for me personally, what I would rather do is have like, um, you know, those four releases or three releases, whatever we do in the year, have them be really specifically thematically associated with the series or an era of play or something. Um, and then have equipment that's relevant to that to that topic, right? So like Shackleton Expanse, good example. Shackleton Expanse is all about exploring the Shackleton Expanse, new worlds, new discoveries. I had Aaron, you know, write up a bunch of new equipment that kind of fit that that mm-hmm. framework. And so that if you were interested in that kind of stuff, sure, buy the Shackleton book, you got it, you're off and running. Um, if you weren't interested in it, then you know, don't don't buy it. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and you know, again, so it's, uh, I, it's, I, it's I, just a balancing point. Yeah, people can actually go on CM and they're going to see a whole bunch of equipment. If they type in the word equipment, they're going to see medical equipment, engineering equipment. So you're going to see little cards that talk about what bonuses it gives in play, which is fine. But but really, I encourage game masters and players, if you scour the books that have been printed, players don't know that if you just change the name on the equipment, where you got it from. Like, you know, some people want minutia and specific. I've never been a minutia person. I'm kind of like, okay, I like, I'll grab a random ship at the back of the command division because we're encountering a ship and I just change the name on it and I just uh, uh, snip it, just the stats and and put it out there. And if it says Klingon, I'll block out that name because I have a different alien. No one cares. <laughs> you know, narratively, you just go into it and, mm-hmm. and the players fill it in. So I know some people like the minutia and stuff like that, but that can actually slow down gameplay. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think the other thing that uh um is acting against an equipment book is that you know, by and large, most of the equipment in Star Trek Adventures is is an advantage, right? It, it's a trait. Yeah. There's, there's so there's so minimal amount of mechanics involved in a piece of equipment that you're mostly looking at the staff or you're not, you're looking at the, the lower block, right? It's a paragraph of information about that equipment. Here's the cool things it can do. Here's where it came from. Here's what it looks like. And it's like, I mean, you, not to say you can't get that stuff on memory alpha or just, you know, other resources online, but like, like it just doesn't, it doesn't excite me enough to, to like fill a book of paragraphs of different cool equipment and have little pictures of all the equipment because it's like, well, okay. So what do you do with that? I mean, it's, it's all, yeah. most of it is the same mechanically in the game. It's all good flavor stuff, but it's just, uh, I, I'd rather, I'd rather include equipment thematically with 
other stuff like you know do a do a big splat book on uh, the original series or the original series era at least mm-hmm. maybe not the series itself and then like have a whole bunch of thematic tools and equipment and gear that we see in the original series or that that era and, and here's like cool things you can do with the spy, with the spanners and the all the all the weird gizmos that you see Spock and McCoy and and Scotty use on the show, yeah. you know, give them give them a name and then do something with it in the games. As yeah, it's more important like, for them to know what it could do, not yeah. the exact mechanics, because it's not a mechanical heavy game. Star Trek Adventures. I just had a conversation today on social media with somebody who brought the Babylon Five RPG ship battle rules into their game because they enjoyed having more technical ship battles and i was like that's totally cool will you please write an article about that and and if people want super technical there's plenty of resources she i even think about like random tables people can find a a, not a hundred they can find a dozen science fiction rpg books with random tables for science fiction and you can incorporate that into star trek adventures (laughs) if you want to but star trek adventures is really narrative strong and we give you a, a I know it gives a framework for the technology or the radiation or the medical problems. Um, but like you said, it's an advantage or a complication. It's not a plus 12 on a, right. on a D six dice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a magical item that gives you all kinds of bonuses and spells and other bits and bobs and stuff. <laughs> you don't, you don't need a, 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 <laughs> a double-sided card to figure out all the stuff that your magic item does. Right. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a tricorder. Yeah. It's a phaser. It's, yeah, it's for a, all you new, yeah. For all you new GMs <laughs> and play ma- player players, it's easy. We make it very easy for you to get into the game and have fun. Then you can make it as technical and complicated as you wish. Right. <laughs> yeah. Good point. All right. Yeah. Next question. All right. Next question. Uh, Shelby, uh, Cambron, Cambron, uh, says, uh, Aegis supervisor traveler material. I mean, the travelers and Aegis are in currently licensed series. Is there a way to expand on that matter? Uh, play supervisors in the quote unquote modern era, trying to keep history on track. How do they handle operations in the main eras of play? Uh, well, our recently released uh, year five supplement for the IDW comic series, year five, which is a fabulous comic series. You should go read it. We had uh, Jackson Lansing on the show a few uh, month, or, month or so ago. A fabulous series. Aegis and the supervisors are a, are a, a component of that series. Really good stuff. Uh, we see a supervisor on season two of Picard. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to make too many spoilers, but uh, that that has an appearance. Uh, so um, uh, we have certainly brought Aegis and the supervisors into the game by virtue of that year five supplement. So go check that out if you haven't already. And um, I saw this question. She's yeah. and uh, Shelby Cambrin, uh, she or he, I actually am not familiar. I know the name can be either. Um, it says place supervisors in the quote modern era trying to keep history on track. The, the thing that's nice about supervisors, in my opinion, you can do whatever you want. They're operating in whatever timeline they need to for your spur. The plot is more important. Yeah. Every Reality is divergent, except for the one that your players are in. I, I always, when I write, it's like that. It's like, wait, no, whatever my players are in is obviously the main reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, to, uh, I know um, we talked before, Jim. You know, um, IDW. It was only on PDF the year five, correct? Yeah. It was only PDF, and um, it's such worth the pickup if people did it. I picked it up and my mind was blown and I have, I'm not going to give any spoilers to my players because they don't know it's coming. It's going to play a major role in my, in, in my game. Um, mm-hmm. So some people, if even if you didn't pick up the, what happened is I picked up the, um, I first picked up Fred Love's adaptation through Star Trek Adventures of year five. And then I went, back because I was so excited about it and read the entire, I bought, um, I do online comic books through uh, 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 Kindle, went back and read the whole series twice. And then after Jackson Lansing and Jody Houser came on, read it again, because then I had a whole new understanding of it. Go, look, so good. On it. Go yeah. look at the interview. So to this question, um, and I know, I'm not going to talk about, if you want to talk about Traveler, you can talk about Traveler, Jim Johnson. I'm not going to talk about Travelers. You know, we talk <laughs> about it a lot. And, I can't give spoilers. Yeah. Did you, did you want to say anything else about, about this question? Yeah. Well, no, it, it was just the thing is the, the the fact that there was this 
it says, is there a way to expand on the matter, place supervisors in the modern era trying to keep history on track? How do they handle operations in the main eras of play? Again, as a game master, you run that. You are the answer to that. However you want to answer that, especially with time travel and reality, how do they? You make that up. Yeah. It's your game. Yeah. That, was, that was exactly what I was going to say, Michael. And I was afraid I was going to come off a little bit flippant to, to say like... Uh, how do they handle operations in the main eras of play? Well, I don't know. How do they? How, 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 do, they, how do they do it in your game? You tell yes. us. You know, come up with an awesome, awesome solution to that, or come up with an awesome answer to that question, and tell us about it on the social media forums, and uh, and let us be inspired by what you come up with, you and your players. Um, I think the tools are there, like not just on the shows themselves, but in that uh, in that year five supplement. Um, God, I wish I could give you my ideas, but I I just can't because I know my players listen to this show, so I cannot even, but I'm going to see if I can be quick on the fly. So say, for instance, you do something extremely crazy and just blow up everything. The benefit of having a supervisor is there could be a lesson learned as to why they went down that road. Mm -hmm. So, so don't just blow stuff up. I, I hate the, I really hate writing in movies and books where they use time travel and reality, different realities as a weak escape to a good plot. And so it doesn't really matter whether it happened or not. That's actually one of my big pet peeves in writing. But if you do something, perhaps your characters are left with a clue, like you needed to see this because it's going to play into a future adventure as an answer. Mm-hmm. Don't just make it that you want to kill everyone and see everyone experience emotion and oh, but it didn't really happen anyways. That's stupid to me. But but to me, I I am ex- after year year five. I had a lot of plots for my players. Mm. Yeah, well, that's I'll talk good. about it once. I'll talk about it once it's done. I'll come back and revisit it. Yeah, so so we can we can thank Fred Love for a lot of that because he came up with a lot of that stuff. So uh, I mean, of course, we have to thank the 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 team that did year five in the first place. And then, and then, you know, extrapolating from there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome that you have so many ideas because that's, that's mission accomplished, right? That's, that, that was the whole intention is to throw even more tools at people and say, Hey, you want Tholians in your game? Sure. Here, go, go, go have Tholians in your game. You want to revisit Sigma Iosha? Here you go. Here's what they would have been oh, up to. Or but the, or the, or the originalists, the human, yeah, or the originalists. Yeah. You can, you connect, you can connect with enterprises, human first movement and the originalists. Like what if, uh, we like social dynamics. And if everyone goes back and watches the Jackson Lansing, Jody Hauser interview, what if you have a bunch of people in the Federation who want things to stay the same and they want to make the Federation great again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the ultimate PDF for that. I, I re- read it slowly, everyone, because um, you definitely get enough social conflict for the yeah, game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So and then, uh, yeah. So enough, enough said on that. I think we, we've, we've pretty much beaten that one down. Um, so we'll go on to, uh, to Matt Day here. Uh, Matt asks, as the one remaining of the core five, is there a reason behind the lack of support for an Enterprise era game, uh, antagonists, other polities, et cetera, from that era beyond the ships we now have from Utopia Planitia? And finish it off by saying thank you. Yeah, thanks, Matt. The question. Um, uh, well, I, 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 we certainly didn't intentionally omit Enterprise. I think it's just the way the the production schedule shook out on all the different books that we did, and just the way things fell into place. Enterprise was kind of the 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 one lagging behind. I think uh, we've we've done a couple of uh, PDF supplements. Uh, I mean, Michael, especially you you've written most of them <laughs> uh, with the uh, the mission briefs, and there was a standalone adventure and um, um, uh, the crew pack, of course. Uh, we dropped in a lot of Enterprise information into Utopia Planitia. And uh, the discovery book, right? Because the discovery book kind of bridges Enterprise and uh, original series and the first two seasons of Discovery. So Enterprise has certainly been sprinkled throughout a lot of our books. I think one of the uh, Quadrant books, I think either Beta or Alpha, had a lot of the Zindi in there. Um, we still haven't gotten around to the... Uh, um, uh, uh, I just drew a blank. Oh, the Sulaban. I don't think we've got the Sulaban in a, any official book yet. Um, so we're we're probably overdue to do more enterprise stuff. It's just a matter of figuring out like what does that look like and where in the schedule can we put it together. And this all harkens back to that earlier question from David about our production schedule and where do we slot in different different products. And um, you know we're not under any particular mandate to do X number of 
products per series per year, right? We don't have that requirement or expectation. So we're just trying to do the best Star Trek products every year. Um, I think we'll get back to Enterprise in, in more detail at some point. I just got to figure out <laughs> when in the schedule I can put it. Like I said earlier, we're, we're I'm, I've got six, the next 16 months pretty much laid out and uh, I'll give is, is there, but I don't know that we have anything. I'll give Matt something to play off. So Matt, yeah. they asked this question and I did something unintentionally that ended up amazing with, with Strange New Worlds, the TV show. So in the first crew pack, we did it was it was enterprise era the first mission briefs pack was enterprise era Mm -hmm. and in there i had did a mission brief called revenge of the illyrians now the reason why this is important is because the i based it off an episode from enterprise which to me is still one of the most shocking episodes which i can't wrap my head around it's my favorite episode where captain archer stole the illyrians warp core They went aboard and stole it. And that always bothered me when I watched that 20 years ago. And so when I had the privilege to write a mission pack enterprise era, I said, how could that have sat with the Illyrians? Cause they had to go three years to get back home. The show said it would take them three years to get back home. So I created the mission pack where the brief just without any more extra spoilers, where that three-year trip cost them half their crew. Later on in Strange New Worlds, mind you, so this is an arch I would love to hear somebody play out in their RPG game, we find out that the Illyrians are basically banned by the Federation because of their genetic experimentation on themselves. Remember, they don't terraform planets, they terraform themselves to match the planets, which I think is awesome. An awesome environmentalist idea, by the way, which everyone should do. (laughs) We should match. So, so... I believe, and go with this, Matt Day, tell me how it goes. I think it's Federation propaganda from those, from those, um, uh, the, the originalists who basically were so embarrassed over the Archer debacle that they're so high and mighty, but they went and stole a warp core that they created a propaganda campaign against the Illyrians, which then restricted genetic modification to keep them out because they knew the Illyrians actually had a good case for reparations. So I'm going to let you sit with that between <laughs> Revenge of the Illyrians and between Strange New Worlds and what's happening to number one. And there's some drama in there that I've been dying to play out in an RPG game and haven't had time. So Matt, that's probably all the support you need for an Enterprise Era game. Go for it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. And then uh, and then Matt asks another question. He says, if there was one source book you could make without needing to worry about audience or page count or budget, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What would it be now that Utopia Planitia is out there? Uh, you're specifically asking for one source book and not not a series. Um, well, you know, I've said it before. Like, like if budget wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, if page count wasn't an issue, I would I would do like a like an encyclopedia, like big honking, you know, like six hundred page monolith of a book, you know, bullet bulletproof uh bullet stopper um arab source book and I mean, if you're if you're talking one source book i would i would do i would do the whole smash in one book and do uh uh 2063 all the way up to 2499 and put the entirety of star trek in one gigantic book um and, and just cover it a to z and uh and packages full of uh mission briefs and story ideas and character uh stat blocks and ship stat blocks and uh and cover the beginning of Enterprise all the way up to the end of Picard, and then and then do like a supplement for Discovery seasons three through five because that's the one outlier, right? Because they're so far beyond <laughs> the the series. Like, but that that compact chunk of uh, of series and movies from twenty sixty three to twenty four twenty five oh whatever that Picard season three is going to finish up with. That's a that's a consistent narrative, right? That that's a solid full narrative. I, I if if money was no issue and like everything else was no issue. That is the 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 big like dictionary sized monster book that I would do, and then I'd probably retire after that because I I couldn't do anything. I, I even know what I know what it be, it could be called too. Yeah, Star Trek Adventures Coda. Coda. Well, I mean that's already kind of been taken by the uh, right, but that was the premise. Yeah, is that I, whole time I, period right? I'd probably call it Memory Alpha. Ooh, 
that's even better. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe something even more clever. I don't know. But it, it would be like literally, literally everything Star Trek from 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 you know a certain point to a certain point, and have it all Star Trek adventures and all like just RPG mana, and, and you bring that thing to the table. <laughs> you just drop it on the table. You break the table. And how about this? How about this one? Star Trek Cupendium. Cupendium. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Then so, you can bounce away over. All right. I mean, it's always fun to get this question because like the, the reality is so far from the, from the, from the dream. Um, but I think that's, that's what it would be. It would be just to, to be able to do a, a an era source book on steroids and just pack it full <laughs> of literally everything that we could possibly think of. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, beautiful art and all that stuff. Okay. I, I told you, Jim, we got about halfway through the list and this has been a full show already. So we're going to have to yeah. go into a second show. Like I predicted. I think you're right. I think we should probably do one more question. Just to try to get like halfway through this list. Okay, otherwise, let's do that. Otherwise, we're gonna have to do two more episodes. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's do, listen, these are all good. I, I, by the way, I just love all these questions everyone's sending in. Keep it up. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and keep keep bringing in more questions, especially if we're if we're. I mean, I don't know if we'll get. I don't know if we'll record the other one tonight, but uh, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. All right. So the uh, the last question for this episode then is from Dan Healy. Uh, it says the Dominion War was such a unique event in Star Trek. Any thoughts on more missions set during that conflict or maybe thoughts on framework for fleet versus fleet ship combat? Uh, so two good questions here. Uh, thoughts on missions set during that conflict. Uh, well, uh, you know, I'll be honest and Michael will probably support me on this. Like every single mission brief and every single standalone adventure that we've published could be tweaked to fit into the Dominion War somehow if you're creative enough, you and your players. Um, I think uh, there's interesting potential for a lot of the mission briefs to to like change the perspective like instead of it happening at this time it's happening during the dominion war how does that change the the angles and the spin on what's what's presented um i i can't speak to whether we have more stuff coming for the dominion war uh, you'll just have to stay tuned and see what happens in uh, 23 24 um i can say that honestly yeah. to me the dominion the gamma quadrant is as ripe as the shackleton expanse you could literally take the shackleton expanse book mm-hmm. and drop it and say that's actually gamma quadrant stuff going on yep. um so the remember the gamma quadrant's generally unexplored mm-hmm. and 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 so to me that's ripe for war if you want to just keep going in there go through the wormhole discover new species maybe yep. there's something worse than the gem hadar out there mm-hmm. um so uh, Dan, honestly, I would say if you have questions or ideas or want to bat it around, open up a, a question on social media and watch the ideas that will flood out from people um, for how to do that. I, I just find I, I can take any module. I, I Just so you know, my group is playing 13.7 million light years away in the Centaurus A galaxy. So we don't have any. Rarely do we ever touch base with the Federation. And I use the modules. I adapt them to an entirely different galaxy. So mm-hmm. if I can adapt it to a galaxy, believe me, you can adapt it to a different quadrant. Feel free to reach out to us and we'll give you some ideas. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and then the second part of the question is uh, thoughts on framework for fleet versus fleet ship combat. Um, I, I'm going to probably defer to people who who really enjoy fleet versus fleet ship combat to that level of detail in a game that isn't narrative. Like like for most fleet to fleet ship combat in my games, I usually narrate that I don't focus on the minutia of ship versus ship and facing and sh- you know shield points and all that stuff. I, you know, it's a great way to play the game. It's not something that really appeals to me. Um, I think the admiralty rules in the command source book, and I think we referenced it a little bit in the Utopia Planitia book too. I think is enough for what I need, and uh, hopefully enough for what other folks need to get into a more tactical level of detail. Um, I don't know that Star Trek Adventures is necessarily the best system for that. Uh, but I think um, if I remember right, I haven't had a chance to look at it because I've been so focused on Star Trek. But the uh, the Homeworld RPG that Medifius just released uh, recently, I think, is based in large part on Star Trek Adventures, uh, the rule system. And I think they have a mass combat system in there. Uh, I'd say probably check that out, see what you can port over. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know, Michael, any thoughts on your perspective? How would you handle fleet versus fleet ship combat? Um, again, Star, Star Trek Adventures is not built for that particularly when, whenever there is a, I've had fleet combat in my game. I still keep mm-hmm. it focused narratively on the characters that there's things that they can do in the way of extended tasks mm-hmm. or tasks in order to help achieve 
the 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 mission and then narratively i really let the players decide how it's going uh we decide how much loss there should be too oftentimes with the roll of the dice but like i mentioned earlier I've seen people adapt the Babylon 5 RPG modules for for ship to ship combat because they oh, yeah. wanted the nitty gritty of it. Um, and honestly, you can even pull out risk dice and play risk. If you really want to do fleet combat, bring in the rules from risk um, <laughs> and, and roll the dice and have the story moving forward that way. I've been really impressed. I watch me, myself and die um, quite a bit on YouTube and the way the, the, the moderator it's for solo RPG. He brings all these books in and he just creates the story he wants. So again, uh, Star Trek adventures is one of the best ones that make do what your players love. If they want to have that a ship to ship combat, then pull out the risk board and make it happen that way. And then narrate that. But um, don't, don't get so affixed to the rules, you know, um, where it stops you from having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, All right. right. So, uh, we'll stop. We'll stop there for tonight. Uh, we got more questions. We'll get to them. I promise. And uh, uh, Michael, let's jump into our, our gratitude. For sure. For sure. So um, I'm going to actually give a gratitude to the people who submitted questions this time. I know I usually do brick and mortar, but I really want to encourage the fans to keep asking questions because I know for me, it it invigorates my gameplay. And I know Jim from conversations with him, he actually listens to everything. And that's how like the game master's guide and player's guide got produced was ideas over four years that got incorporated into two really popular books. So thank you, fans. Uh, so you you said it just right, Michael. It's all thanks to the fans. Ultimately, uh, without the fans, we would just wouldn't be doing this game after seven years. And so uh, I love your passion. I love your uh, enthusiasm. I love your willingness to support each other, um, especially when new fans are coming into the game. Like I, I mean, especially the Facebook group is great because the, the the moderators announce all the new fans that come into the group every week, and we're always so supportive. We're like, hey, welcome. You know, use the search engine, ask questions, get into the game. And uh, so, yeah, my, my gratitude is, uh, is to the fans again as well. And for the ones who submitted questions, but also the ones who are just supporting the game and, uh, and being enthusiastic players. All right. And we'll have more questions answered in the upcoming episode. Until then, IDIC, the conversation continues. Live long and prosper. Be safe, be well. And we'll talk to you all next time. <laughs>